Top Hill Recording Podcast, episode three of season two. I, I, I need to figure out what I'm going to do, Neil. I don't know if I'm going to start <laughs> to count over on season two or go with episode 19. That's that's it. You go with that, man. You figure it out because that's too too much for me to think about. <laughs> well, tonight we have Ryan Murphy and Tony Clark with us. How you guys doing tonight? Fantastic, man. Thanks yeah, for doing great. Thanks for having us. We have a uh, great conversation ready to happen, some stories ready to tell. And <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I have a glass of bourbon in my hand. So, hey, so we do have a, a bottle of bourbon. <laughs> what are you guys having tonight? Uh, I'm enjoying some uh, uh, Woodford Reserve. Nice. Classic. Yeah, yep. same here. Same here. This one is uh, from an actual, uh, it's a bottle that was, I guess it was bottled select for Butchertown Grocery, which is one of the local restaurants in town. Really? And uh, I got I got to snag that, so I was pretty happy about that. Heck yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Well, I brought, out a, I brought out a bottle that's supposed to be special. I've had this for quite a while. It's, uh, are you guys familiar with the Orphan Barrel Distilling Company? I don't even know if it's a real distillery, but... Got the Orphan Barrel Barter House. Supposedly, this is a 20-year bourbon that was found in the uh, Stitzel Weller uh, Rick houses when it was taken over by Bullet. It's kind of just long and forgotten. Really? And I do want to say, if you guys go out and you look at this Barter House on the internet, I've had this bottle for quite a long time, so I didn't pay the seven hundred dollars it's going for now. <laughs> what? Oh, wow! It's just crazy. And Neil, when you when you drink this, you're going to say somebody would pay seven hundred for this because it's just okay. It's just decent. <laughs> but I got it for seventy five bucks uh, on a on a bourbon tour, and I thought you know had a great story, and you know I was a sucker for it. So there you go. But it's pretty decent. Well, cheers, guys. Yeah, yeah cheers. cheers. Thank you all for joining cheers. us. Thanks for being flexible for our buddy here. Broke his foot and then had to have surgery. Yeah, thank yeah. y'all. That's <laughs> oh, no problem. Are you are you feeling better? I mean, yeah, man, uh, I'm good. It's just everything now is depending on someone else, and I'm not used to that. So, right, yeah, I'm pretty on the go all the time. Uh, never sit still type of dude to be actually on crutch, and that's probably why I had to have the surgery. Honestly, is it was it's I had a boot. And I was supposed to take it easy, and I tried my best, and I probably failed a little bit at that. And now I have to really take care of it. But it's, it's good, man. It's better. I th- I'm, I'm ready to get back on two feet. But the, the good news with all of this, if, if there's a time to ever be one-footed, not being able to play gigs or uh, play music or do the things that you want to do, it's during the coronavirus time. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, 2020 has been insane yep. anyway. So yep. why not have a surgery? Yep. <laughs> It's true. How are you guys handling all this? I mean, we generally start with a, an easy softball question about music, but I, I, just jumping into kind of the chaos of of twenty twenty. I know uh, you all do a lot, a lot of local music, and you're playing constantly. How has it been? I have kids. I know their name. <laughs> I, I planted a garden. Oh yeah. Oh, I helped with the garden too. My wife's got a big old garden. I got, you know, I actually uh, got a huge dent in my honeydew list uh, because it, you know it's your it, it gigs. It, it, here's the one thing it has done. I think Tony feels the same way. It, it's we stay so busy with the band stuff, and we, we probably. We try not to burn ourselves out, but this has really made us realize 
how busy we were mm. and how busy we need not to be once this whole thing opens back up. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. I've gigged more in this band than I have in any other band. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being an older dude now, uh, it's kind of funny. It's like when I wanted to get gigs like crazy and gig out constantly and have nice gear and all that, I had nothing and I had no gigs. <laughs> now it's like, I, I don't really want it. I don't really need it. But, hey, we're going to play all these shows. And I'm like, hey, you know, hey, it's fun. So, you well, know, so and, I don't mind. And I can attest for the nice gear. You definitely have nice gear now, man. I see your setup. Some of and I drool at some of your guitars and your gear. I'm like, oh my god! Oh, we might have to hear about some of his favorites. Oh man, <laughs> it's awesome. Why don't you start out with just a little bit about uh, how you first got into music? You know, even if it goes back to childhood, where where it all started. So for me, I, I was always kind of obsessed with drums, um, even as a little kid with. Open up the encyclopedia and you're looking at a drum as a dude playing a tom-tom. You're like, oh, that just looks so cool. Then, you know, Kiss comes out and Peter Chris is awesome. You're like, oh, my God, I got to be a drummer. This is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) But for me, I I didn't – I dabbled. My parents got me a snare drum when I was like eight or nine. Good parents. Right. And I I hit on that thing and made enough noise to drive them crazy but didn't really – take off with it and then uh i don't know if you guys do you guys remember uh preston music center did you guys know oh, yeah billy sutherland yes, yes. right so billy back in the day was engaged to my sister so i got to see every time billy came over to the house he brought a guitar and an amp wow. and every time and he played and so i'm this little kid just going oh my god this is amazing like this is, and it's music and music and music. And he was such a huge influence on me. Mm-hmm. And then uh, his cousin, Troy was his name, had a drum kit. So I would go with my sister when she would go over to Billy's house and Billy lived right next to his cousin's house. So I would go to his cousin's house. We'd go downstairs and play his drum kit. It was the coolest thing ever. And then, um, you know, Billy not only... I can't really looking back on, I can't say enough wonderful things about the guy. You know, he got me some great gear. He's the one dude that talked to my parents into getting me great gear and the value of having some good gear. Mm. And, and he gave me my first music store job too, way back in the day. So this guy was big. This he was a gigantic push in the direction. Was that right there at Preston and outer loop? The old Preston music center was down by the Moby Dick down there. I think it's a, pawn shop now yes but yeah, it was it, literally i remember like it was yesterday it was a friday night buddy of mine swung by the house said what are you doing I said nothing he said let's go up to Preston music center hang out i gotta pick up a few things walked in saw billy billy said what are you doing i said what do you mean what am i doing he goes you working anywhere i'm like no and i was 17 18 maybe i said <laughs> no and he said you want a job and I worked, I worked, let me tell you this. So I worked a split shift. I worked, um, I think 9 a.m. to 2 and then came back and did like 5 to 8. But the cool <laughs> wow. thing was, do you guys know who Rusty Inns is? Sounds mm, super familiar. I don't think so. Okay, so Rusty Inns is a legendary yeah. blues guitar player guy here in town. And so for me, I, I got to work. At, but see, Rusty is legally blind. So my job in the mornings working with him was to just help him out with everything. Okay. But I got to sit there and 
drink coffee in the mornings and just hear gig story after gig story after gig story. And it was just, it's like, it's, it's all I wanted to do was just to play gigs and just to be like these dudes. That's getting a, an early education oh, right there from somebody like that. Yeah. I got way early on educations. Working in the music stores, you got to network with everybody, which is great. And then you got an education on more of what not to do than what to do. So what Tony, it? how about you? Oh, for me, it probably started with my dad. Uh, my dad was a bass player. And uh, so he, he had kind of stopped playing music when I was a kid, when I was probably just before I was born, because uh, my sister is 10 years older than me. And so when she was a kid, he used to go out gigging all the time. You know, that's what he did on the weekends. Um for for years he had a K upright bass so th- this was back in the back in the late 50s and he would he would go to work all week and then on Friday night he would grab that big K upright and stick it in the car with the whatever this little you know the stand on the bottom i mean ignorant when it comes to bass but you know <laughs> the, peg, the peg yeah. whatever and th- that would be resting on on the uh the back and the and the neck of the bass you know in the soft case would be resting between the you know on the bench seat in the front <laughs> And he would inevitably on Friday night on the way home from the gig run out of gas and have to lug that thing home about, you know, six <laughs> or eight blocks. And then he would get paid from the gig and then that would give him enough money to put gas in the car and get going again until he got back to work on Monday. But, you know, by the time I was a, you know, old enough to know anything about music, uh, he had a, a little band that he had put back together and they would rehearse in the basement. And I remember sneaking down into the basement to watch him. And, uh, you know, drum kit, guy played steel guitar because they were playing country. And so first time I ever heard a steel guitar player, and I just blew my mind. This guy was making all these crazy sounds, and his feet were going, his knees were going, and his hands were going. And But the guitar player, great guitar player, a guy named Jimmy Smith, had a Gibson that was custom made for him. And had his name on it on the, on the fretboard what? and everything. I thought this guy must be, this guy must be a rock no star, kidding. you know. So and you know they'd actually Gibson had actually back in the day. I guess you could call them and talk to the custom shop. They would custom make it with the radius that was right for your hand, so the the shape of the neck and everything fit this guy's hands oh. and everything. And he had two of them. So I just thought he was the coolest guy in the world, and he had a wah oh. pedal, and it was a Clyde McCoy wah. So it was the one of the first ones that were ever made, and. And uh, I, I remember it had that little Vox pouch that that he would keep it in, and and he'd make that thing, you know, why every once in a while. And I was like, that's the coolest <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my life, you know. And I had a toy guitar, and so I'd I'd run around the house playing the guitar, you know, with my mouth just going wah wah wah, like he, like you know, making the sound. <laughs> Couldn't play for shit, and you know, but I'd strum the guitar and pretend like I was this guy. And of course, I, I would imagine that's probably how Kirk Hammett started because. Uh, you know, the joke is every solo has a Y in it, but, um, but yeah, that's kind of how I started. And then I guess when I was in the fifth grade, my fifth grade teacher, I went to a, a Catholic uh, elementary school and, and so we only had one, it wasn't like we were moving from classroom to classroom. We had one teacher and, and she was really into music and she could play anything. She could play piano, accordion, guitar, uh, vibraphone, everything. I, there, I don't think there was, she used to bring an auto harp in and play that thing and just, you know. I think I, and when I was in the fifth grade, I had the chicken pox and I had stayed home for a week with the chicken pox. And I know that they were learning how to play like Silent Night or something on this little organ. Well, my dad had bought the organ for the school and he actually got two of them. And I had one at home and they had the one just like it at school. And so I learned Silent Night during that week because, you know, I knew they were 
they were going to, you know, learn the song. So I learned it by ear. And then when I went in that next week, when I went back in school, time for music class, she was like, okay, you know, I know Tony, you were out. So, uh, do you know what we did? And I said, well, you, you learned silent night. And she was like, yeah, do you want to try to play it? And I was like, sure. And on this little organ, if you press the keys on the left, it played the chords. And if you press the, you know, the notes on the right, like a piano, you could play the, the notes. So I played the chord and the melody and I played the song because I thought that's what they did. What they had learned was, you know, dun, 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 <laughs> dun. That's, but I'm playing the chords and everything. I turn around and all the kids got these big eyes looking at me like I'd done something crazy. And she was like, well, why don't, why don't we show you what we learned? You know, <laughs> so at the parent teacher conference, uh, they, she was like, uh, yes, Tony needs to do something with music. And, and, you know, with him being, uh, the type of kid that when he gets bored, he tends to act out and disrupt the entire classroom. <laughs> we think it would be a good idea for him to focus on something like that, that he's really interested <laughs> in. <laughs> and immediately I'm like guitar. I want to play. Of course, my mom was like, uh, you should play piano. Cause that's what I wanted to play. And I never learned. And my dad was like, let the kid choose what he wants. You know, if he wants to play guitar, it's, you know, so that's what I did. I, I took guitar lessons. And, you know, when my guitar teacher went through a divorce and, and moved all around town from place to place, and and his life was in shambles. But he was still teaching. My mom lugged me all over town, wherever this guy was, just because she knew that this was th- this thing was keeping me out of trouble. You know, when all my other friends were out running around and doing crazy stuff, I was at home practicing guitar, and you know, she kind of fostered that for me. So that's that's kind of. That was how I got That's the crazy. Start, so dad so. was a bass player, man. I've seen a couple of those upright K basses lately that are uh, for sale. They are the most beautiful uprights. But they they're well, it's like Ryan, I, I lugging that much crap around that something that big, that's just I couldn't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the funny he story that he went told to me, about that like bass he was bad for me because I have all that gear. <laughs> that's well, gear, man. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, you know, when you got the guys dragging the, you know, 412 cabinets <laughs> yeah. and all that stuff around, it's, it's, you know, which we all did yeah. back in the day. But um, my son moved one of my cabinets the other day in, in the basement from one side of the room. And it's on casters. He wheeled it from one room to the other. And he comes in and his question wasn't, why is your, why do you not have a bad back? His question was, you lug this thing around for years? Why are you not? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, hang on a second. That's, that's such a <laughs> <You> fun <know? laughs> question. See, see, yeah, yeah. I, know, yeah. I know the secret to getting help loading out gear. Yeah. Well, what is it? You have to get Joe Stevens, uh, I'm not going to say drunk, but get get him a good buzz. Our bass player, you get him a good buzz. Yeah. And what he does, he'll stick around like to let it wear down and he'll help you load out. <laughs> there you go. So Joe Stevens, there's a lot of bands that want you in the band right now. I bet all drummers, <laughs> all drummers probably have some technique to get people to Oh, yeah. all their gear yeah you know not 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 so much i'm i'm, I'm like jeff jarbo man uh, drummer for the wolf brothers man it, it, we've got it down so tight the system is so tight and if anybody jumps in and says hey let me give you a hand you know jarbo will be like no move away just don't mess me up he's got a i mean he can literally be packed up and gone in 15 minutes because everybody's got a system and for me if someone else jumps in my brain's going wait a minute where's the symbol bag where's the snare bag where's this where's that mm-hmm. right 
Next time you go to set up, you're yep. not going to know yeah. where anything is. Yeah. That's been my problem. I've handed things to people and said, hey, can you put this in this bag? And it, I don't know what happened to it. It's gone forever. Somebody's got something in their, in their bag somewhere that's fine. You know, microphones, whatever. You know, I've lost so, many, so much gear by just saying, here, why don't you, put, you can put yeah. this away for me. You Famous know? last words of a, of a, a microphone or, a, yeah, you got you to gotta put it up. How did the two of you guys first connect? Oh, man. Because that would go back to the Dixie music days, right? Yeah, I mean, I used to come in Dixie Music all the time and and say, hey, I think I think I had when you were working out mm-hmm. at the Third Planet uh, on Hurstborn, I came in and bought a mixer from you, and so that's and then I'd I'd been in Mom's a hundred times just buying little oddball odds and ends. I mean, we had known each other from that circle for for, oh, for yeah. years, man. But I, you know, being a PRP kid, you know, I I used to spend a lot of time. I spent a lot of time at, at Preston Music, and you know, you're talking about Billy. I bought my first. Uh, Halfway decent guitar amp there. I mean, it was a Randall, and some people still play those. It was not a tube amp; it was a solid state amp. I gigged with that thing for for years. I bought it from Billy, and then I turned around and bought a Macy Boogie from him years later when it was when he had moved to the new location, which was the second to the last location. I think there's a tattoo parlor there. Tattoo. That Charlie's is the same family. guy that was at PMC then. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's, but yeah. he's yeah. moved. This is yep. his third location. So we uh we recorded once at Shout. Yep. We came in yeah. while Billy was working on his own album in there, record doing some recording. And man, what a cool dude! That's the first time I've met him, but he makes you feel right at home. And he was a hell of a guitarist well, too. You know exactly who they're talking about. Then. Yeah, yeah. I sat okay. down and talked to him for Full about circle. thirty minutes, and he didn't act like it bothered him that I was a little early. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, you know, Billy was a type of guy that if you walked in, not trying to sell you something, but he would let you play anything in the store. He'd let you plug into any amp. I guess, I guess within reason. I mean, I guess if you were one of those guys that were, you know, disagreeable or, you know, always had negative things to say yeah. or whatever. But with me, I'd walk in and it, there were two play, two guys. One of them was Billy and yep. the other one was Chris yep. Rogers. And yep. Ryan, I remember Chris from Dixie. Those were two guys that when I walked into the store and they saw me, they would they would immediately get a guitar off the wall, come over, hand it to me, sit down and say, show me something. And then I'll, I'll show you something and we'll trade we'll trade uh, ideas and licks today. That yeah. was your guitar yeah, teacher. Chris Rogers was my guitar teacher, man. I loved Chris Rogers. That was one yeah. of the nicest. I had tried to play guitar when I was young and, and it just didn't stick. He When I met him and probably exactly what you're talking about, that type of welcoming attitude where he was all about – Hey, check this out, you, you know, and, and just big, big time and encouraging. And uh, yeah, man, Chris Rogers is a big, big part of the reason that music stuck with me, especially guitar. So sure. Ryan, did you work at Dixie yep. also or? Yeah, yeah. So when, when I was at Dixie for years, man. I, I think my collective time at Dixie Music and Third Planet was almost 10, 12 years, maybe. So it was a long time. When, when I was when I was first at Dixie, it was uh, myself and, of course, Ed and his sister Beverly and then Chris and then Alan Chadwell and Jim Schweikert was out there. That was oh, that yeah. was the crew. I've got lots of Dixie Music stories. I was good. Man, that has to be. I bet you were I bet you were there when I was starting to play. I'm sure. Or late 80s, early 90s. They would have to be. Yep. Yeah. Early '90s for sure. Yep, I was there because we we were Ellen and I had a band together, and we rehearsed in the the, the shack right behind the oh, the okay. store for years. D- David Leduc had that 
building for years. I mean, God, I remember years. that. Yep. You, and again, and, and I was probably working at Dixie Music. I, I want to say um, at least two years before we before he moved out and we occupied that space back there. <laughs> so I'm in the store at least. I don't know, every day except Sunday, basically, anywhere from 10 to 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock, sometimes later because we'd be in there hanging out, working on your gear or doing something. And I, I never saw the dude. I never saw the Duke not one time. Not one time. <laughs> not once. And, and I would always bring it up and Ed, Ed would say every month he drops a, a wad of cash in the mailbox that pays for the rent. And Ed said, that's it. I never see him either. But that that money's <laughs> that money's been there every month for fifteen years. But he had flyers. He had flyers on every telephone pole. <laughs> and I, I never saw. Listen, I, I, I'll say this: you, you got to give the dude credit for his marketing skills and what he was able to accomplish back then. Because we all know him. We mm-hmm. we've never heard him, oh, yeah. but we all know him. <laughs> now. I don't know a single I don't, song. I, I don't know a single song either. But but th- there's uh, I went. I don't know what teen club I was at with my buddies, and I convinced them to go to this bar teen club thing because Sinbad was playing. And all I I just saw I knew the logo, and I knew there was a ball busting guitar dude on the cover of this logo thing. So this band must be decent. We almost walked in, and I forget what reason it was that we didn't, but yeah, that was the only time I almost saw him. <laughs> Got close. <laughs> this close. The legend right. continues. <laughs> Have you guys played in more or less than 15 bands? Oh, well, I've, less for me as far as permanent bands. I, I I would say way more for me. I mean, it depends on how it depends if it was like a band member or hired gun or something, you know, or a hired yeah. guns a different yeah. story. Okay. I, that's you know, Brad and I talked about this last week. We had Jenny Yates on last week, mm-hmm. who you know, who plays with a lot of different people and sits in and drums. And I, after we left, it just blows my mind. How in the world, especially Ryan as, as a drummer, can you sit in with a band and and do a performance and kill it? As a guitar player, I kind of, I play guitar. I, Tony, I, I think 90% of the stuff you, you understand is not too difficult, especially stuff you play around. See, I would bars, think it'd be easier on drums. No, I, no way. I think, but I don't, because there's so many starts and stops and all the intricate stuff you'd have to do in a drum set. I guess you can play a simple beat, but I've seen Brian play that's, he does everything right. How how do you do that, man? How do you sit in with the band? Uh, Is there a lot of practice involved or do you ever just, hey, what are your, what's your set list? And then I'll see you at the gig. First off, are are you talking, you're talking about a different dude, right? No, I'm talking about you. No, <laughs> oh, man, I'm talking I, about I, you. I appreciate that. You know, it, it, it just it just depends on the gig, Ben. I mean, some some of it uh, for me, like it, it, I, I can't sit there and study a bunch of stuff and write a bunch of stuff down because I'll get song soup so bad I can't stand it. What's always worked for me, and I would always told younger musicians that it's walking into a fill-in gig because I mean I would get calls of just like 
you know, in the afternoon, hey, be here at this thing to, to do this gig. And, okay, sure. <laughs> Floats my mind. What happens is this, for me, and I always tell these younger players, when you walk into a band situation, give me 30 seconds and I'll tell you exactly who I'm going to follow. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not the there loudest guy in the room. I mean, I could walk into any, I can walk on any stage and go, I'm following that person right there. I can tell you who I'm not following, that person right there. <laughs> and okay. it's, it's nothing against... <laughs> Certain players, but there there are certain players. They just know the song. They know mm-hmm. it. It's in them. It's they they know everything there is about it, and they could just you could just. I mean, I've done many a gigs where I, I, I Nutgrass called me one day. This was probably four years ago, maybe. Hey, I got this country dude. He's doing one of these gigs. I didn't know any of the material. He's like, can you go out there and do the gig? What's what time? Oh, it's like six to nine. Yeah, yeah, sure. Walked in, and as soon as I met the singer, the band leader guy was like, "This guy, no way. This, I'll be lucky if this guy even knows his own stuff." But you know, you know, it was a country vibe, and then they had a Nashville dude on guitar who was a smoking player, but he wasn't um, he wasn't connecting with anybody. Does that make mm-hmm. any sense? He was trying. Oh, yeah. He was one of those guys that just wanted to play the most notes. No, and, no, he no, 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 no. He wasn't stepping on toes. He was he was there to do his job, and that's all he was doing was his job. Okay, okay. Then I met the bass player. I went, "This is my guy," and we just pretty much stared at each other the whole time and just had a musical conversation and killed it, and it was awesome. And it's it, it's. You can walk and you can walk on to any. I mean, there's certain players, man. You walk onto the stage just cold and go all right you could uh, it's uh, i sit in with whatever will you've long as long as frank green's on the stage you're good mm-hmm. yeah don't pay attention to any of the rest of them <laughs> 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 i remember they, i remember they they did a gig in um i forget the college but donnie highland was on his honeymoon they called and asked me to fill in. It was one of these huge fields. They had a stage on each end of the field. I remember Big Head was on the other end, and I was sitting in with uh, whatever Will. I remember we're getting ready to play, and you, I, Scott Clark, I love you. Scott was all, all right, man, just watch me for da 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 I'm like, and I look over, and Frank Green looks at me and goes, I got you. <laughs> You're good. I, I just just follow me. And I was like, okay. You know, and Frank, Frank can take you, I, I've done many gigs with Frank. Frank can take you anywhere. Like he can t- dynamically, I mean, you you can just read him the way that he plays. And, and that's, again, the, that's the thing with these younger players. Well, you can walk in, everybody knows how to play. They're, they're not reinventing songs. I mean, I'm not going to walk into a jazz situation, no way. But if you're talking about a pop, <laughs> even a country or just a rock type of thing, everybody knows how to play. It's just a matter of like walking in and finding that all it takes is one, one player that just he knows all the stuff so solid and so perfectly follow, follow them and just you're good. Listen, follow and listen and you're good. That actually makes a ton of sense. Tony, is that the same way with you? I mean, do you look for that person or you just kind of find your spot as a lead guitar player? As a guitar player, it might be a little different. There, there, there usually is, you know, one or two people. You kind of, you kind of get to know who the band mm-hmm. leader is, because whoever that is, you're going to have to, pay, you're going to have to act, at least act like you're paying <laughs> attention 
to what they're saying, even though you might not be, you might be looking at somebody else in the band and going, all right, I'm, is that, is that what you want me to do? Cause I know that's what he's telling me to do, but I'm looking at you to tell me what to do. Cause you're, you're my guy. And typically it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just follow me. We'll be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to do a lot of filling gigs way back in the day because my guitar teacher was a guy named Rob Johnson. And anybody that knows anything about guitar in Louisville probably knows about Rob Johnson. He used to teach it far out. And the guy was hands down one of the best guitar players this town has ever seen. His last gig was with uh, From Paris. Okay. He was in From Paris for, for a while before uh, before he passed away. And uh, so just a killer guitar player, a, a, a great arranger. I mean, the guy just knew everything. And you're talking about walking into a situation. I've seen him play everything. I've seen him play everything from country to blues to rock to metal to jazz. And really do it with – he could do it all with one guitar. He didn't even – he's not one of those guys, well, I need a – I need my hollow body <laughs> for this gig and got to have my – this. You know, he would show up with a with an Ibanez and just kill <laughs> really? you with it. And so, yeah, I mean, this great player. And so he was my teacher for years, and, and he was like telling me, never take a gig you can't handle. And I would get nervous about that because I thought, well, I don't know if there's any gigs I can handle. So he used to f- find gigs for me. And I remember he called me one day and said, hey, I got this band that needs a guitar player this weekend. Are you free? And I was like, well, you know, I am. I'm not in a band right now. So, you know, and he, so they called me and they said, like, yeah, come out to this bar. We're going to rehearse. I show up and rehearsal was an hour before the gig. We were playing. It was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday gig. And this was Thursday night. And I'm like, oh, OK. And they said, by the way, do you sing? Because our lead guitar player was our what? singer. <laughs> and and this, this guy had skipped town and, and left them high and dry. And they decided they didn't want to lose the gig. So I was like, well, let me look at your song list and I'll tell you what songs I can sing and which ones I can't. And we'll see if we can't figure this out. And so I'm frantically writing <laughs> lyrics from memory and they're telling me i think this line goes like this none of us you know you didn't have internet nobody had the cell phones oh my god we didn't you know wow we were just guessing at what the lyrics might be for these songs and then pulling other songs out of our ass at the last minute repeating the first set in the, in the third <laughs> set because we had never played and we were a three-piece oh my oh god. goodness yeah kid guitar bass and drums so nobody to hide behind no mistakes and i'm like this it was challenging as hell but by saturday we were hitting our stride and, and I gigged with this band for another, you know, six months or so before I decided, you know, I want to find something else. Cause I didn't really, I really wasn't looking for a permanent band situation, but so how'd that first gig go? Uh, the first one Thursday was a little rough, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we made it through it. You know, there were some mistakes obviously. And, and at one point we would finish a set and then we would run in this room in the back and I'd grab my guitar and we would sit around and kind of, rehearse the song and the drummer was just kind of tapping on his legs and the bass player had his bass with him and and we were kind of figuring out what to do and and in between sets and then we go back out and we play the next set and and uh do the best we could with what we had but i i, I kind of loved the adrenaline and whatnot and, and i kind of thought it was cool and so whenever i got a call to do a gig uh if i could i could do it of course now you got you have an ipad you can, mm-hmm. I can chart things out I, and I do that. I, I have enough beca- because we do the, the karaoke gig, the full contact karaoke. I've got a, an enormous litany of songs 
at my disposal and I've charted a bunch of them out. Just, it's kind of like, uh, you know, not, not the whole chords or whatnot, but just kind of a cheat sheet. It's kind of like when you're trying to remember something and you can, somebody give you the first word and you that's can remember the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what my chart looks like. If I, if I gave it to somebody else and some of the stuff I used to write out was all Nashville numbering, just what the number was, mm-hmm. you know, if, if the, if the key, if the chord was an A, if their song was an A and it was a one, four, five, I would write, you know, A, a and then one, I would write yeah. one and four and five, you know, so that was how I, I cheated my way through a lot of the filling gigs. The worst is I did a filling gig for a band. You know, it's been a few years and quite, actually quite a few years ago. And I, di- I didn't get any feedback from anybody. I, I mean, I'm looking around. I'm looking at the drummer and he's just kind of looking at me. And I'm looking at the bass player and, and he's kind of looking down. And I'm, I'm trying to get the singers, you know, hey, am I – is, are we good? Is this good? And, I get, and I'm, I'm getting nothing, you know, I'm, I'm getting stone faces from everybody. And I'm just thinking, man, this is terrible. This gig is going terrible. After this first set, they're probably going to pack up and we're going to go home. And, uh, and then during the first break, they were like, Hey man, you're killing it. You know, just keep doing what you're doing. We love it. And I was like, all right, you guys can smile every once in a while or something. You know, let me know what's up. But yeah. When did you and, uh, you and Ryan start gigging together? Uh, it was Wax Factory. Yeah. Okay, that was the first, first band. Uh, we we did a gig. So you guys did, uh, you know, Brian Fox and the Good Chickens, yep. and I was Great doing. Name. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was doing. Uh, I was doing a band with uh, with with uh, Donnie Highland. We were called Front Porch Prophets. It was me and Donnie mm-hmm. Highland and Kimmet and uh, Chip Adams was the bass player and Greg Siebert was playing keyboards and and uh, at the time Donnie's wife at the time Desiree was the singer. So we did we did a song or this uh, set together and, and Chip was playing bass with both bands. That was the first time or one of the first times, Ryan, you probably have ever seen me play. I don't know that that we had been in the same venue in the past. I, I had seen Ryan play with a bunch of different bands, you know, uh, Tark Bus and all these other bands. And, and so I and, and I knew he could play, but I don't know that he had ever seen me play. And we kind of talked at th- that point. And then I was playing in a in a country band, and the singer was going through a lot of stuff where he was selling his house and moving, and they were building a house and had all this stuff going on. He's like, "Hey guys, I'm putting the brakes on the band for a while, and I got to focus on some stuff." And and so I just posted on Facebook and say, hey, "I'm I'm looking for a rock band. I I, I need I, I'm I played country for a year, or so now I'm, I want to play some rock." And and Ryan immediately called me and said, "You know, I." I our guitar player just left. So if you're serious, you know, I, I think, I think that's what I started the conversation out with. I think he answered the phone and I said, are you serious? Serious about what? what the hell are you talking post, about? Facebook post. You, you want to, let's do something. Let's do it. I've always had a list of players that of people that I wanted to play with. And Tony was definitely up on that list. And it's like wax factories had, an unbelievable amount of guitar players in the band. Yeah. And, good ones. Really good. Yeah. Ones. I mean, it, it's amazing when you go back to the history of the band and go, wow, there's been, I'm the third drummer. We've had like eight singers and we at least a dozen guitar players. And it's like, is there any original wax factory members in the band currently? No. But the long, the longest one's probably what Joe. Yeah. Joe. Yeah. Joe Stevens was yep. the, Joe was the second bass player. He's been okay. in the band the longest. So how long has Wax Factory been around? 
I, I don't know exactly when Jason started the band. Jason Hobbs. Jason Hobbs. Yeah, it's probably been twenty years, man. Jason Hobbs was my yeah. was my uh, baseball coach when I was a senior in high school at Manual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and 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 he, he, you know, when when he got his principal job, he was he was a good band leader. He he really was. He kept mm-hmm. everything in order. He was organized sure. as hell. Yeah, and, and and when he left the band, when he got his principal job, he just literally went, "All right, the band's done. It's over." And we had gigs on the books. So you know, some of us are like, "Whoa, hang on a second. This is not our main main livelihood, but part of it." So we we're like, "Whoa, hang on. You can't just like." call it done and just leave us out in the code like that. So the deal was, I said, Hey, let me, let me run with this. And he said, well, I have to approve the singer, get a new singer. <laughs> if I give it the, cause it's his legacy. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'll give you the thumbs up and then just run with it. And you know, we, we, at that time we picked up Christina Mullins, which okay. Christina's great. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Oh yeah, yeah. Run with this. And then we, we ran with it and then, Multiple different players and different players. And, you know, we finally got the lineup that we have now, which is it's awesome. I mean, it really is awesome. Like everybody's firing on all cylinders. Everybody's firing on the same page. And it's 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 pretty killer. So who is that now? Of course, myself, Tony, and then uh, Joe Stevens. He'll be in the band for a he'll last. All, he'll outlast. All of <laughs> and then Jessica A, we got Jessica in the band. And wow, she was found off Craigslist. So we really at the time, the current lineup that we had at the time, Tony wasn't wasn't in the band yet, but we were looking for uh, a a new lead vocalist. So we discreetly put something in on on uh, Craigslist. And I won't tell you who the singer was that answered the ad, but a singer answered the ad of a well-known band here in town and said, uh, sort of asking questions. And when she found out that it was Wax Factory, she said, oh, yeah, I'm not interested in the in the, in the uh, the gig. I'm just making sure it wasn't my band trying to get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Hilarious. <laughs> and she said, well, I, she said, but I had this friend. Her name is Jessica A. She sings great. You guys should really have her come over and audition. And I didn't, I, I wasn't there for the audition. I had some family stuff going on. But Joe and Jeff Rogers was a guitar player at the time. She went over to, to Jeff's house and he texted me a couple of videos of her singing. It was just like, oh, my God, like mm-hmm. this. This is the best singer I've ever been in a room with. She's amazing. She's pretty awesome. She's taken definitely with the addition of of her and the addition of Tony. I mean, it's it's taken the band to a completely different level. Yeah. And you have had some amazing gigs recently with her, too, as well. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. we we before Jessica and Tony was in the band, I mean, I I had a mission to like you know, there's there's only so many bar gigs you can do. Yes. And everybody's trying to do these bar gigs and th- when you're dealing with a bar owner, you're dealing with that bar owner's livelihood. Whatever money you're trying to get out of that bar owner, you're going to get the same old stupid questions. Let me rephrase this, the same stupid questions. <laughs> How many people can you bring? How big's yeah. your following? That's not what my job is. I'm a musician. I'm not a promoter. So when you're dealing with that bar owner, whatever price you're trying to get out of their pocket, you're you're taking that out of their that person's household. And in return, they're going to want you got to bring an X amount of people in. Da, da, da. That that's just it's not a realistic game to play these days, especially now. Yeah, like I don't care if you got a following, you ain't got one no more now. It's it's all gone. Yeah. 
with us, we were like, you know what? We can play to a bar for fraction of the money till two and three in the morning and every other band's trying to get the gig and everybody every other band's trying to undercut your price or we can shift to corporate events which guess what they don't give a shit about they don't care what your price is and they (laughs) feed you (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and they feed you, and they all, and they get, and, and they all get liquor, yeah. and they, yeah, you get liquor, and they get all drunk with you. And, and the, the, the more drunk they get, the better they love you. And we're gonna have you guys back next year, yeah. and it's, it's okay. Well, see, and, and and that's that's the other thing is is not even just the money; it's also the respect. It's it's putting on a performance and having them love you, and you didn't bring anybody. You didn't bring your following. You didn't do anything. All you did was show up and execute your job flawlessly, and you had a f- blast doing it, and they loved you, and they said, thank you. And there's oh some gosh. satisfaction to that, too. I mean, yeah. Is there a part of a, a show element to that, too? Do you got to kind of put on a show in a corporate situation like that? Yes and no. I mean, really. I mean, not not pyro and all that by any <laughs> means, but, you know, just you don't want to be boring, I'm sure. You got to engage bit? with the crowd, I would say. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you you, you want to engage with the crowd, and we and we, we do that uh, as well. But it's it's also, too, I mean, really, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, the client that you're working with, they have a time frame of how they want it to go. It starts at 6. It's done at 10. They want you to play at certain times. This is when your meal is going to be. And all you really the toughest part is staying on schedule. All you got to do is stay on schedule and, you know, perform and they, and they love you. And it's, it's really great. And we've, we've been able to build up a clientele. That's pretty fantastic. Yeah. I read your, uh, testimonies on your website and you've got a, quite a few loyal people there. It sounds like, and really happy with you. And it's also way easier to pack your drums at 10 PM than 2 30 AM. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, you know, we've all done it for me. It's like, you know, I got a three-year-old, a seven-year-old and 11-year-old at home and it became overwhelming because at one point I was doing Thursday, Friday, Saturday gigging just like constantly and just late and packing up a kit and coming home. And then you're you're worthless to the kids Mm -hmm. the next day. Now we could go do a wedding or a corporate event. (laughs) We're up making breakfast the next morning. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 an earlier quit usually, but when you're doing weddings, a lot of times not not so much the corporate gigs because they do have these set times, but a lot of times for weddings it's a marathon because you got to get there really early. A lot of times you got to get there and yeah. set up well before anybody else and well before any, you know, they're staging the church or they're whatever the venue is that you're playing at, and you got to get there and put your stuff up. And then the wedding planner has to tell you, oh no, those lights can't go there; they got to go here. And so now you know you're doing all that. That doesn't happen very often because usually we we have walkthroughs and we and we talk to you know the planners and whatnot ahead of time so that you know the expectation mm-hmm. is set in advance. But yeah. but then you're there the rest of the day. It's like you, you know sometimes you're out yeah. of town. Like you know where are you going to go? And luckily for us, the four of us and and you know Phil who usually Bright. is yeah. running the sound yeah. for us, Phil Bright, which guy. you guys have awesome. had on the podcast, you know Phil's. Great guy. Awesome guy. And then a lot of times, you know, if, if uh, we're using another PA, it's whoever has the PA and, you know, we'll, we'll get to hang out and stuff and tell stories and talk. And <laughs> luckily we like each other's company. And so, uh, un, you know, unlike some bands that I've been in in the past where at least, you know, one person doesn't get along with this guy and, and everything else. And there's mm-hmm. no way in hell you could have made any yeah. of this work. So, 
So before COVID, were you guys, are you guys mostly uh, corporate and private at this point? Yeah, if you, I mean, it it was really, you know, festivals and casinos and uh, corporate events and weddings. I mean, we were, you know, we had a record year last year and we were heading in the same direction, you Mm -hmm. know, of like, wow, this just keeps building and building and building and building. And it's, you know, and some of these, again, some of these clients are like, if you do do well for them once, why would they call anybody else? And the yeah. cool thing with us doing, with us being the same band and being Wax Factory and Full Content Karaoke, we can give them two different options. Mm-hmm. So it's the same, uh, same group in Full Contact Karaoke? Yep, same band. I would love to hear how this came about. Like, is this a creation of yours or is this something that you guys picked up? on from somewhere else how, how did full contact karaoke first i guess you ought to tell listeners what full contact karaoke is so full contact karaoke is live band karaoke <laughs> so awesome, awesome. A, yeah you're you're, you're, you're the lead you're, singer yeah, so the, we have i think man, now 150 songs to choose from in multiple different genres <laughs> awesome. hip-hop rock country i mean everything uh where, where it started was um i was playing with end of me with Brian Fox, and we were showcasing in New York at a place called Arlene's Grocery. And the showcase, we we played it. So the the the, the bar is set up like a concert venue, and then you go to the uh, you go through the backstage to the other side, and there's another bar area. Uh, so it's like if you had Stevie Ray's mixed with headliners type of thing. Okay. So, you know, we're in there where, where we do our an hour-long set at six, uh, at 6 o'clock, and it's just suits in there. It's all these record label guys. We do our show. We play. Boom. We get done. We pack up. We go to the other side. We're having drinks. We're hobnobbing. Blah, blah, blah. And then uh, Brian Vinson, uh, bass player at the time, comes in there, and it's about 8 o'clock at this time. And he was like, hey, we got to go to the other side. It's, this is a Monday night, by the way. And I said, well, why would we do that? He goes, you got to see this. What's going on? Dude, you just, we got to go. We got to see this. So we walked into the other side and there's five, 600 people crammed in this bar. And I remember the dude up on stage did uh, Carry On My Wayward Son and they were doing live band karaoke and it was off the chain and people were <laughs> freaking out. And I was like, as soon as I get back to Louisville, <laughs> this has to be a thing. <laughs> It's it's genius. It is. It's, it's a, a genius idea. So the the name is yours, Full Contact Karaoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think you should trademark that, man. Uh, it's if already it already, trademarked. I was going to say, okay. if it is, <laughs> I think we owe you money just for saying it. Actually, <laughs> I mean, it's an outstanding concept. Have you ever just been blown away by some? Is there somebody that stands out to you that in a full contact karaoke setting that they've come up and sung a song where you just jaw dropped? Oh, yeah. Is that like constantly now? That's happened a bunch of times. I, I don't know if it's constantly, but I mean, you, you just, you're always surprised when it happens. You're like, whoa, my God, this like. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, one of the places that it happened on a regular basis is yep. we were doing those Sunday oh. nights at uh, the levee. And People were found out about it, and they would show up, and they, you know, this, this, there would be a handful that were just, you, you have no idea what they're going to be like, and then they come up and they just completely destroy everybody, and you're like, wow, mm-hmm. and it, and it's like she can sing, you know, <laughs> and then her friend gets up and she can sing, and and we did, uh, we did Fourth Street Live, and this this uh, lady got up and she sang uh, Proud Mary, 
and she was doing the Tina Turner moves and her band was out there videoing the whole thing. And it's like, okay, she's done Tina Turner for a while because I've never seen anybody do it that well. And then, uh, you know, we, we did one at New Albany, right in downtown New Albany. And uh, this uh, this guy got up and, you know, maybe maybe not the greatest vocalist as far as pitch would go, but he was a enormous showman. And he was just he had the whole crowd just going crazy. And I was like, man, this guy's awesome, you know. Yeah, that's 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 the beauty of that of that whole thing because you know, like people want to, people want to be a part of it, and then when you're dealing with stuff in the corporate world, it's team building. You do uh, full contact karaoke in corporate situations too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's genius. I never even considered that when you were talking about the the corporate setting, but my God, that probably. I couldn't imagine how popular that is. Is full contact setting. more your corporate events than Wax Factory, or which one? If you look at the books and the way that the calendar is laid out, I mean, this year uh, was headed to more, I'd say, I don't know, Tony was, I think it was more 80% wax and then maybe 20% full contact. Yeah. Uh, last year or this coming, the, the year that should have been. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it seems like, you know, some some want both. Can you guys yeah. do Wax Factory oh, yeah. for the first hour and then we'll do karaoke the oh, second cool. hour? And we're like, yeah, we can do that. Whatever you want, we can do. It's, it's, it all works, if, you know. And, and we've had some clients where they, well, we don't want the karaoke thing. Mm-hmm. We just want you guys to perform. And then the more people talk about it, at, at the event, they're like, uh, can we do karaoke now? It's like, well, you didn't tell us you wanted to, so we don't have any of the set list. There's a whole lot of work that goes into yeah. it ahead of time. Ryan does um, uh, an incredible amount of work to prep for each one of these clients. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's custom websites and custom song lists. And I don't want to give away all the work that he does, but, you know, uh, there, there's a lot that goes into it. it. And so It's if, been so long since we've done it. I'm going to have to go back and relearn. <laughs> yeah. It's right. really going to be work now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's like, you know, why don't, why don't you hire us for a, a gig in the future and we'll do the whole karaoke thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do that instead. You know, and that usually is how it works out. Well, so. the, the good part about uh, both Full Contact and Wax Pack, both of them, it seems from the outside looking in, it sounds like from your perspective too, have been gaining, gaining a ton of momentum. For sure. Because, you know, uh, once we hit the, once we locked into that festival circuit too, mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's, I, 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 and maybe that's what it was, Ryan. Maybe it was just the switch, like you said, you just made the switch to a different thing, and that kind of propelled it into becoming what it has become. Yeah, well, I, I, I tell you what. So, Wax Factory was going. We were doing uh, full contact was going, and this is going to go back about four, maybe five years. And uh, there's a wedding band in town called Kudmani. You guys familiar with Kudmani at all? Uh, I'm not, I don't think. See, most people aren't. But Mm -hmm. they are the biggest wedding band probably in the Tri-State area. Hmm. And they kill it. And it's great. So Sam Kudmani uh, is a friend of mine. And he called me and he was like, hey, I need you to fill in on some gigs. Yeah, great. So you'd go to do these gigs. He'd pay you. Really, really well. You're home by 11 o'clock. The crowd loved it. The food was delicious. And you, you maybe play for an hour and a half. Maybe. Can't beat that. And then, and so Sam and I would ride together to the gigs back and forth. And Sam just taught me everything. You know, anything from handling the client to uh, what the client's going to expect from the gig. And da, 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 da. So, so he was the business side to what Billy was to you 
reps. Yeah, getting for into sure. Playing for okay. sure. You know, and, and he taught me so so much. You know, uh, Sam's a very no nonsense dude. He's just like, look, man. And Sam's story, he didn't start playing guitar until I think he was in his 30s. What? Yep. He started taking lessons at Mom's Music. He played in the Weekend Warrior Band they had. He took the Weekend Warrior Band, started playing bars. True story, his first private event, I got him the pri- that first gig. He booked the gig and called me and said, I can't believe that people pay this for private events. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, you know, I, I don't know. I wasn't, we weren't in that scene. I was like, that's what I hear. Uh-huh. And then he was like, oh, that's the route I'm going. And then <laughs> boom. I mean, they're humongous. I mean, they're they're probably the biggest wedding band in town. They're definitely the biggest wedding band in Kentucky for sure. That's crazy. Probably booked two years out. Wow. So when I started doing gigs with him, I was like, oh my God, there's a whole different world from playing bars. This is incredible. And then it was just like, let's take wax format it into this thing and i and i knew i knew what i knew that once once we had the the right team and the right songs it was just gonna it was just gonna take off right to it and you know it's all about the songs too because we 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 did some festival gigs and the person that booked us told me she said hey are you do you do you know that uh louisville kentucky has more festivals and more galas than anywhere in the united states my first is that response, true? My first response was, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, no. So think th- think about this. Dude. So when you guys, at some point, you get on your Facebook, you know, and you're looking through that, not so much now. But when things start opening back up, you'll see all these festivals. Mm-hmm. And I started looking. I'm going, oh, my God. There's just I mean, every weekend there's a festival. There's a gala. There's this. There's this. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. And she said, you know, because of your lineup and because of the songs that you do that we could make a three-year-old dance and an 82-year-old dance she was like you guys <laughs> you guys will work like crazy and it was true i mean once we we played a festival and then people would hit our website that were at the festival and hire us for weddings and so on and so forth and it was snowball you know we've headlined the saint matthew street festival twice it's insane we did uh, this past New Year's Eve at 4th Street Live, that was even more insane. Oh, my God, yeah. New Year's Eve, wow. Yeah, yeah at 4th Street Live. I mean, yeah. come on, man. That's so how do, you guys, how do you guys decide uh, what songs make the wax set list? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jessica? <laughs> there you well, go. You know, you know it, I, I, if I had to say one thing, and Tony would definitely agree with me, that was probably our biggest hurdle as a band. It's like, what songs, you know, from, you know, Jessica's younger. So for her, it would be some song that, you know, that I wasn't aware of. And for me, I, I keep it so by the books of like, hey, if it's not a number one top 10, if it's not a number one hit, if it's not on the top wedding list songs to play, let's don't do it. But then again, that doesn't allow us all to be creative. So I, we, we finally, I think we found a groove with it of songs of like, you know, all right, we'll give one here and then we'll get one of the one that we want to do there. We really try to sit down and discuss them and, and talk about them because I might go, oh, my God, this would be so cool. And then you've got Jessica and Tony going, no, no, that's, that's really going to suck. Uh, I, I think the cool thing is that what we got going on is like the respect is there. The respect to listen yeah. to their opinions to go, OK, 
Let me, I mean, I respect him enough that where they got to be right, you know, and, and then you'll get Joe Stevens who Joe doesn't really say much. No. And then nice he'll, player. he'll pop one out and it's just like, Oh yeah, that's, yep. We should be doing that one for yeah. sure. We try to get an idea of the demographic. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's going to be out there? Does it, you know, cause, and, and I always ask that before we book it, what's your demographic? Some will say, well, they're going to have a lot of 30 to 45-year-olds is mostly what we're going to have here. Cool. All right. So we'll try to we'll, – we'll target the songs to that uh, demographic group. Or yeah. uh, you'll have, hey, we got anything from 3-year-olds to 80-year-olds. Then we'll give everybody something. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Jessica handles all that. She'll she, put she the does. set list together. She builds it with a, a good flow, and she she takes into consideration any any things that I need to do special, like any, any kind of yep. weird, you know, patches I need to pull up or whatever, or, or whatever the case may be. And and then she tries to make it where I'll sing some to give herself a vocal break, and and uh, so she's real mindful of of how that is going to go. And then we've shown up for gigs before, and it's like this is nothing like you described. <laughs> the crowd is yep. nothing like you told us. So on the fly, she's like, okay, we're doing this, 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 and this. And we usually put our set lists uh, electronically as well as, you know, printouts in case we need it. But I'm usually looking at a playlist on, on the iPad and scrolling through that way. And um, so she'll f- edit that on the fly. We'll sync it up real quick and boom, you know, there there we go. But there, it's nothing for her to turn around and go this, this, and this, the next three songs. We're like, Okay. Yeah, I've never stuck to a set list in the history of my life. <laughs> you know, we're, we're we're actually pretty good at, yeah. at sticking, normally sticking to a list. I mean, if we walk in and it's like, all right, this is how they described it. Because like Tony mentioned, everybody's iPads, they'll download the set list and they can just scroll song to song. Uh, and again, we, we use backing tracks on probably 90% of everything. So I've got to build a plus separate list back there along to that playlist with all the backing tracks to so I can cue them off. Hmm. Wax uses backing tracks or well, both. 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 Yeah. So it's really hmm. unforgiving when we do a full contact gig and there's a backing track. So we'll tell whoever's singing, you know, this is a track and we're going to, we're going to walk you through it. We're going to guide you through it. You know, we've never had it like fall apart to the point where it didn't work. Luckily. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's bound to happen. The the funniest one was this older lady that wanted to sing Jolene. And luckily, that's not a a track. It was just and really it was it was it was going to be just me. But then the band played in. But she she started singing that first line and she plowed through the whole song without a pause. Ninety miles an hour. I could not keep up with anything. You know, she just Jolene, 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 Jolene. And I'm like, all right, we're going. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So and what, what's funny is like we've had several we've had like a situation like that. And then you start to get that songs requested more and more. So we took the song, learned it as a band and put it in the put it as on the on the Wax Factory playlist, too, and oh, put a cool. click track to it. Yeah. Right. So now we can, you know, we keep it right mm-hmm. in a smooth timing. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> they can't not, at 90, not at uh, not at 197,000 yeah. beats a minute. I'm, like that I'm looking at her and I'm like, hang on, st- watch me, stay with me. And she looks at me like, <laughs> no, baby, we're going. You hang on. I was like, okay, <laughs> your show. <laughs> it's obvious in talking to you guys, you guys got a business approach and very professional about what you do. I'm sure that's why you uh, continue to get the gigs you do. 
So before we close out, what are some of your favorite shows you've done or some of your best memories since you've uh, been having all the experiences you've had? Wow. Yeah, I, I, I mean, there's a few that are, that are just, you know, back when Jason, back when we, Jason Hobbs was running Wax Factor, we, we did New Year's Eve at uh, Guantanamo Bay. That was pretty, that's what? pretty memorable. What? Say that again. We played New Year's Eve at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, for the troops. That's insane. Are you serious? Bye. How, how did that come about? You know, well, you know, and this this goes back to to relationships, or or to bring up the you know relationships. Jason had really good relationships with uh, booking agents, and I forget the the agent's name. He reached out, and the idea started to float around. We said yes, and the money was insane, and we were there for five days, and it's – has any of you guys been to Cancun? Oh, yeah. Uh, I have not. No. Anywhere in beach-wise type of tropical place like that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That's that's what Guantanamo Bay looks like. Really? It, it's just like – it's like a resort. You have – the only time that you know that there it's a uh, prison – is up on the cliffs, you'll see these really these huge prisons, and they're highly wow. guarded. But that's so, Ryan, it. Mm-hmm. you were not going to let us get through this podcast without talking about this, were you? <laughs> yeah, he was. He was gonna... <laughs> well, so look, so 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 just real quick, the gig comes up, and then they kept changing our itinerary. So originally, we had to drive to Florida. We were going to hop a plane from Florida to Cuba. That was the original plan. And then at the time, I was playing with Peter Searcy. I don't know if you guys know who Peter Searcy is. Oh, yeah. I know so Peter. I was doing a bunch of gigs with him, and he had this van that we would do these go on the road with. And I said, hey, I'm going to rehearsal. I was like, bro, can we borrow your van? I said, what, what are you going to do? I'm like, well, we're gonna, we got to go to Florida, and then we got to hop a thing to Cuba. And he was like, well, get me, on, get me in the band to go to Cuba. And you guys can, can, I'll just go with you. I'll be a roadie. And I said, uh, well, I don't know if I could do that, but I'll see. And he goes, actually, you know what? I got some family down in Florida. I'll tell you what, we'll just drive down there. I'll stay with some family. You guys do your Cuba gig, fly back to Florida, and we'll, we'll head back. And then they changed it to Georgia. They changed it every week leading up to it. Every huh. single week, our, our itinerary was changed. I mean, I wow. get it. It's a high, high security facility. Or is it? So, uh, <laughs> so we uh, they changed it to Georgia. So finally, I was like, "Damn it!" You know, Peter's not going to dig this. I was like, "Hey, can we, look, can we put him on the list of the band?" Jason's like, "Let me check." Boom. Yeah, we need his passport. We know this because you have to get security clearance. So we sent all his stuff in. Boom, he got clearance, <laughs> and he actually he actually played on stage with us. I don't think his guitar was plugged. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I've got photos of it. I'm just, just like, he's just... Man, all right. His one lone gig. Oh, it was awesome. Can't <laughs> wait to see Jason Hobbs again. Well, yeah, to ask him about that. And, and uh, I know Jason is in his professional life. Brad knows Jason as the, as the principal guy, not yeah. the Wax Factory yeah. guy. Oh, Never yeah. knew him as the Wax Factory guy, Never did you? Never knew. Never yeah. had a clue. I don't know him real well, but I've got a professional acquaintance with him. <laughs> he's, a, he's a great dude, and he's... Yeah. It, it, again... He was a really good band leader 
And he knew, you know, that you try to learn certain things from certain people you work with. And the biggest thing I learned from him was that he knew how to surround himself with talent. Surround yourself with talent and good things will happen because you put talented oh, yeah. people around you. you players know, make the coach look good. That's players it. make, yeah, yeah. And he's a baseball coach. So he, you know, he knows all that type of stuff. So, so anyway, so we, we go to, um, we go down to Guantanamo Bay and it was each one of, they gave each one of us like an apartment and it's right on the, the bay and all backline gear. And we had a sound crew and it was, what an experience. It was no kidding. It was pretty amazing and it was um a ton of fun. And they took care of every the only thing they wouldn't take care of us was your alcohol. They're like, Well, we'll cover all your food, everything, which we won't uh, the federal government won't let us cover the booze. You have to buy your own booze. And we're like, Deal. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tony, it's gonna be hard to top that one. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to get that gig again. I mean, yeah, if you get the gig again, I'll get to tell the story. But uh, can I be the Peter Searcy this right, time? That's right. Here you go. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I guess the only thing, the only way I could top it is, you know, when in 2007, when I was on tour with Prince and we did the Super Bowl half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got, I got nothing compared to that, you know. So <laughs> I think I got a free sandwich once, you know. And, uh, <laughs> All right, Tony, how about your worst show? Oh, my worst show. You know, I've had I've had more of those than good ones, I guess, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I, I've never had, like, you know, disastrous shows where things fell apart and you wish that you never booked the show in the first place. But I guess one of the ones that sticks in my memory recently uh, was back when we were still doing bar gigs and we did a show and these, these two guys walked in oh late into God. the night oh and <laughs> sounds like Ryan remembers it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they, this one guy, he claimed that his friend was from Germany and he wanted to know how much my guitar was. Cause he wanted to buy my guitar. And, <laughs> You know, Which one were you playing at this time, so Tony? This gig I was playing. It was actually it's actually a Fender reissue Stratocaster. It's from it's a okay. 1962 reissue. I bought it from Chris Rogers at Dixie. Oh wow! And uh, and Chris was the last guy to do it. He he's the last guy to touch it. He installed the pickup in the bridge. He did the setup work on it, and I really barely have had to touch it since. So I did, you know, I just keep it maintained with what he did and he gave me all the math and all that, you know, I just kind of follow his guidelines and it's been perfect for since 1993 or four, whenever it was, I bought it. And, uh, oh, I just learned something. I didn't even know there was math that went into a guitar. So yeah, unfortunately oh, there, there's a little bit, there's a lot, there's a yeah. 64 yeah. things rule and that's all you need to know. But yeah, <laughs> this guy just kept harping on me. Like how much is a guitar? How much is a guitar? And I was like, well, I, you know, I customized this one for me. It's not for sale. And he just hey, kept can, going can, on. Can I, can, I, can I jump in the middle of the story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. please. You got to get the vibe here. So we've had a decent night where, you know, you know, you, you know that show is like your second set was first set was good. Second set was real good. Uh -huh. Then there's that break and everybody's kind of gone. And you're like, oh, let's go up and just let's make the donuts and finish out our third set type of situation right everybody's exhausted yeah. for the third set right, the right. second set was badass i know this one right yeah. so 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 that's the vibe that we're in and then these assholes walk in the door <laughs> yep. so, and, so, 
entitled, entitled, entitled assholes. And the guy just keeps on, you know, and he's like, you know, he's, he's talking about, you know, I'm, I'm opening up a bar. We're not from here. We're from out of town, you know, yada, yada. Then they want me to give them the guitar. They want to hold it. They want to, this guy wants to touch it and all this other shit. And I'm like, you know, dude, I've been really nice to you the whole time. I've been entertaining you. I did a, a Jimi Hendrix song for you. And now you just want to continue this, this path. You just want to, I think, I think at this point you're really trying to humiliate me and I'm done. I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm not having this conversation with you anymore. And then he starts this whole, I'm going to open up a bar. It's going to be the best bar you've ever seen. And you, you're not invited. You know, (laughs) I was like, all right, man, I'll make, I'll promise you today that I will never come to your bar that you open in the future, you know? And he's like, come on, just hand me the guitar. Let's get this over with. You know, I can, I I can buy and sell people like you all day. You know, what do you, what do you make? What do you do for a living? What do you make? What do you, what do you make doing this? You know, I I make, I'm probably making it in a day, what you make in a lifetime, you know, kind of thing. And at that point I told him, all right, you got two seconds to get out of my face before I break your neck. I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna fucking kill you. I just all there to do. I'm gonna drag your ass out in the parking lot. And I'm gonna beat the living shit out of you. Get away from me, you know. I was standing behind him and I, behind Tony, and I remember exactly what you said. <laughs> what you said gracefully. This this was the scariest part because Tony didn't say it with anger. <laughs> he said it with grace. <laughs> And he was, he said, all right, well, I'll tell you what, um, I'm going to put my gear away. Just give me like five minutes to put my gear away and put the guitar and put my gear away. Just, just five minutes. Go out to the parking lot right there. He said, and Tony told him what he was driving. He said, my business, what my vehicle is, go over by my vehicle. Just give me five, 10 minutes tops. I'll be right out there and I'm going to whoop your ass. I'm going <laughs> to whoop your ass so bad. This is going to be bad. And the dude made some kind of comment. And Tony went to go pack his gear and I walked up to him and I was like, hey, he's going to fuck you up. <laughs> so, you know, you guys familiar with Dixie Highway? Any part of that area at all? You know? <laughs> just, just, it's going to mess you up bad. It's going to be, it's, it's, this is not going to be good. Your friend's going to leave here in an ambulance. I suggest you guys really get out of here. Well, we'll kill you. And he's like, oh, Tony's like, what you will great what i'm almost done packing up seriously actually don't move i don't want to have to walk that far in the parking lot <laughs> I mean, uh, it I, was it was a I'd had it, you know at that point i'd had it with these guys you know i've, I've don't just mess like, with tony well you know and i'm not even a tough guy I, i've got my ass kicked <laughs> enough times in my life i i was in, i was in a band with my brother for years and my brother was a bass player and he was a big dude you know six foot five weight 300 pounds and I've watched him pick guys up by the throat before. We were playing a bar one night, and this dude took a glass and threw it against the ceiling, and glass went everywhere. And my brother turns and says, stop, stop, hang on, stop. And the whole band stopped. And he points to the guy, he goes, you, come here. And the guy walks to the front of the stage. He goes, why'd you do that? And the guy says, <laughs> I don't know. And he goes, who are you here with? I'm here with all my friends. He goes, get, get them all up here. And all the guys crowd, crowded the front of the stage, like 15 guys. And he goes, you're all leaving or I'm going to beat the shit out of every one of you. One at a time, all at once. <laughs> I don't give a shit which. Let me know who to start with. And he'd already put his base down. And he was like, Listen, we're going. We're doing this. And they were like, no, we'll leave. He's like, oh, you guys are pretty smart. And they turned around and walked out. And I guarantee you to this day, he would have done it. I mean, he was not afraid of anything. So I never had to fight. Because once my brother was old enough, I was, and, and I played in the band with him for 12, 15 years, 
I never had to worry about trouble because they he would just say, hey, this ain't going to happen. This this ends right now. And everybody's like, yes, sir. <laughs> so. <laughs> So yeah, that guy's. That, yeah, I'm lucky that the guy didn't know that I was all talk. So <laughs> yeah, well, you know, again, uh, number five thousand six hundred and seventy four of why not to play bars. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. You know. So <laughs> uh, coming up here in the next bars can I, be fun though. They can, yeah, be. They can be fun. Yeah. yeah. But yep. But it's so few and far between, man. Uh, there's not a ton of bar gigs that you look back at and go, "That was amazing." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, I mean. Don't don't get me wrong. I, I spent the majority of my career playing playing bars, and, and, and there's 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 some good ones. There are some good ones, and some good uh, venue owners that do it right, and they treat the bands good, and they and they do it right. And then there's there's others, and there's um, but y- y- no matter how wonderful the venue owner treats you or pays you, there's still that random chance of trouble. Mm-hmm. And and do yourself a favor. Next time you play a bar gig, next time you're on that stage, look around for the security. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not making a joke. That's what's non-existent. What, that's what we started to do. I, I started to go. If trouble broke out, where the hell is the security in this place? Yeah, and there's none. Nowhere. More often than not, yeah. Yeah, more yeah. often than not, you're on your own. You know. And my, yeah. So it's and my son. He, my son's 16. He's a drummer. I, I'm not going to discourage him from playing bars. I, I know there's a there's a lot yeah, of guys on Facebook and whatnot sure. to think that I'm you know, I, I've actually lost friends in in this town over the fact that they think I'm some kind of elitist because I'll crack a joke. You know, I'm known as the hundred dollar guy, and mm-hmm. that came from a joke that I said at one point, and it got carried away. And you know, there's a lot of people out there that think I was serious, and most of the people know that I wasn't. And, you know, I'll, I'll carry that with me forever, but you know, it's a funny joke to me and the people that, that appreciate it and know it. And, you know, I don't discourage bands from playing bars. I don't think bands that play bars are not as good as me or anybody else that doesn't. It's, it's a different Mm -hmm. world. And it's some, some people don't want to play the corporate gigs. They don't want to deal with it. And I fully understand that. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I told my kid, I said, Hey man, when it's time for you to start gigging, you find what you like to do and you do it because there's going to be great memories and great stories to tell somewhere down the road. But by all means, play music and Mm -hmm. do what you love, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, Uh, there's things that go with it. I mean, when you start playing uh, corporate events and private events, you know, you're, you're writing contracts and drafting official papers and you're paying attention to detail. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not all fun and games, but looking at like, like Tony, looking at your son, 16 years old, he's, he's experiencing the time of his life getting his uh, toe dipped in the bar scene and doing the beginning of, of the music scene like that, man. I, that's what we all talk about. You always talk about your beginnings and the start and how, so being 16 and, and getting, of course, you, you definitely need to encourage You learn him. everywhere. Awesome. Oh, yeah. He's actually set in with us, you know, for songs. And and and, oh, and cool. I get to jam with him here at the house all the time. And, you know, of course, now that we have the, the stuff together for recording and whatnot, he's actually recording a lot of his own music that he's written. And awesome. he's laying down, you know, drum tracks and, and I'm working with him on all that stuff. And so all the things that we couldn't do when we were kids, because, well, I don't know how old you guys are, but when I was a kid, when I was 16, you you had to go to a recording studio to record. Yeah. I don't even think they had four tracks at the time. Maybe they did, but it, mm-hmm. they didn't have the ones that record on cassettes. 
Um, real to real. Yeah, I mean, you're literally. Yeah, I've been to real to real. I actually yeah. recorded it real to real with uh, Scott yeah. Mullins. Uh, yeah. The Santa is a blues man. I'm on. I'm on two of those albums. Hmm. Nobody's ever heard of Scott, <laughs> Scott Mullins. I don't know if you guys know <laughs> him. He, he used to be a DJ on WFPK, or it was. It might have been L at the time, but he did. He did a, a blues show every Sunday. And he played a lot of blues. He left town years ago, but he was also my football coach when I was a kid. So, well, Ryan and Tony, man, we've uh, oh, we've oh. had a blast. So, ah, I like sorry. a cat that's, jumped on the microphone. No, man, that's a kid. That's a, th- <laughs> that's, what, a three-year-old, seven-year-old. That's, that three, that's Ronan. That's, his name is Ronan. Ronan. Hello, Ronan. <laughs> Pitch your teeth on the mic there. <laughs> Lesson number one. Yeah, don't hit the teeth. Well, thank mic. you guys for uh, for joining us, man. It's been been a blast talking to you, and I hope uh, after we get through all this, maybe uh, maybe we can meet and hook up and jam or that'd be something great. of that nature. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man, that'd be Heck awesome. Yeah. And I would love to at some point see full contact karaoke in action. Heck yeah! I think the well August thirteenth. I think is the next thing that we have at Fourth Street. Oh, okay. August 13th. August 13th. All right. We'll have to promote well, Hopefully that for it will sure. be uh, released back into the world yeah, at that point. I hope so. Well, I July 1st is the, is the official bar date that you can play live music. So, is that right? Yeah. Okay. So August 13th at 4th Street, that's going to be amazing. Yeah, 4th Street Live. So it should be, hopefully we get to do it. And I've bought plenty of microphone disinfectant. Because <laughs> we'll have to spray the mic down after every time. Something that oh, you yeah. didn't, and something yeah. that you never thought about before, right. probably other than the 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 you know bad Hi. breath. <laughs> Hello, <Hey> buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that's something that we've that we've never thought about before because people just grab the mic and and even the iPad, you know, because they're doing the lyrics. Oh yeah, they have to be on top of our game with all that type of stuff. So, if people want to have you guys Wax Factory or Full Contact. How do they do that? Uh, waxfactoryband.com or fullcontactkaraokeband.com. There you go, listeners. Get them booked, man. Sounds like a great time. Yeah, So, and you need to do a Top Hill recording jam session some night. And like everybody that. That, that's been on the podcast comes out and jams and does a song, and you guys do a podcast from that. We just talked about that today. There you go. And, and we're talking in the fall. And all I charge is 10% of... <laughs> <laughs> you got it. 10% of nothing's nothing, so it works out perfect. We're getting 200%. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, we'll all right, get, guys. Hey. Well, thank you all. And uh, listeners, tune back in next week. Put Top Hill Recording Podcast on your library at Top Hill Recording on Instagram and show us some support. See you guys next week. Hey, thank you guys. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. See you.